You're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. On today's show, we got a twofer for you. First up, Joe Badia of Philly's Pizzeria Badia, which Andrew Knowlton named the best pizza joint in America a couple years ago. And we had Joe on the podcast back then, and he rejoins us to talk about how to make the best possible pizza at home, which is the subject of his new book, Pizza Camp. So Andrew and I and Joe, we talk about red sauce and white sauce, killer dough, all the toppings, but not too many toppings because you don't want too many toppings on your pizza, says Joe. And you can do this all without a fancy wood-burning oven. Just your basic home range will do the trick. And after that, I sit down with food director Carla Lolly Music and senior food editor Andy Barragani to talk about spring pasta. Whether you're cooking with asparagus or ramps or peas or artichokes, here's how to get all that you know, that fleeting, fresh, green stuff into your bowl of noodles, butter included. All right, let's do this thing. Here is Joe Badia. Joe Badia, welcome back to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. Thanks for having me. Last time you were here, Andrew Knowlton, over to my right head, named your pizzeria the best pizzeria in America. That's, uh, yeah, that was pretty pretty wild. <laughs> And and now you're here to write a uh, talk about your book Pizza Camp, which basically is telling people, hey, you don't need to wait in line at my restaurant for an hour for pizza. You can just make it at home and not not come to Pizzeria Bidia. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a uh, pretty simple process. Uh, pizza dough, uh, you know, take some time uh, to ferment the dough and then cook it in a really hot oven, and you're going to have something delicious. So what you're doing is not that impressive at Pizzeria Bidia. Is that what you're saying? I mean, it's a lot of attention to detail and a lot of pressure, I guess, in a, in a way. But uh, I, you know, it's like every night my goal is to make every single pizza, no matter who you are, sort of perfect in my own way. So um, that's a lot of pressure that I give myself. And then you have the pressure coming in from people. Like for instance, this week, people are like coming in. It's like after waiting three hours, they're like, "Is this going to blow my mind?" It's like <laughs> I don't think so, but maybe I don't know. But for people who don't know Badia, Pizzeria Badia, it's it's in Fishtown. Uh, you're open Wednesday through Saturday. Yeah, 5.30 to 10.30. And you do 40 pies a night. Right. And no slices, no phone, no 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 delivery. So it's like the ultimate pizza business plan right there, right? It's it's, it's good for the, for the pizza, for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Andrew, um, having had Joe's Pizza, can you describe the type of pizza that you get at Pizzeria Bidia and the type of pizza that Joe's sort of prescribing in the book? Well, I think, you know, when I first had Joe's Pizza, what I liked about it is this was kind of in the midst of the Neapolitan pizza craze, which is more of the individual pizza. Um, kind of misshapen with big blackened things puffing in. I, ideally, yeah. but it was always, the the pizza was always kind of soggy to me, the, the ones I'd Ooh, had. Interesting. A little when, bit of wet Like when in you the pick middle. it up, the middle sags. There was nothing there. Alan Richman, uh, who was a food writer, once wrote about how uh, I was on the same page as him. We did not necessarily love Neapolitan-style pizza, and that's all there was. And so going to Pizzeria Badia was this kind of, ah, the, the stuff that a lot of us grew up with in the 70s and 80s, the kind of classic after T-ball going having a pizza, but elevated, Joe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate that. <laughs> Joe's like shaking his head. Already. No, yeah. that's fine. But like, that's on, exactly on the, right. On, on the yeah. big aluminum yes. round tray. Yes. 
and I think Joe kind of brought in this new wave of kind of going back to pizza where it's more American style where you have big slices, but then you kind of describe it as a hybrid where the it's an American style pizza, but then the way you put the toppings on is very kind of Neapolitan in well, its way, right? Well, I don't know about how I put the toppings on. I think it's more of um, just the quality of, of things where a lot of times you'll go to these old school um, pizzerias, uh, and you know they're using mushrooms out of a can and and using kind of crappy cheese. So I think just to look at it like a a, sh a chef would look at something in a way, and and but still do the the classic thing like pretty much to a T, and just change what you're you know what you're using. It just somehow like revolutionary in some <laughs> weird way, even though I didn't really create anything. I, I mean, what I, what I love about this pizza and what I love about the book is that. While I realize there's nothing simple about simple, you know, like right. that, that, it's the hardest thing to do, the perfect roast chicken, that sort of stuff. But this is something you can do at home as long as you pay attention to, to the techniques. So let's walk through kind of step by step how to make really great pizza like this at home. The first step is the dough, which in the new issue of Bon Appetit, you write about uh, this sort of a condensed version. Um, and you apparently say, I don't have to make the dough from scratch. I can just pick it up at the pizzeria. I mean, it's it, it, there's like two ways. So like, if you're not going to take the time to make the dough, you could go to your favorite pizzeria or a good pizzeria, some place that you actually like their pizza, um, mainly because the dough will taste good, and use that. Um, or you could buy Pizza Camp and and make my dough, uh, which I obviously recommend. Um, and it's just it's just really like a time thing. So it's like mixing flour and and the water and and just having that sit for you know overnight, let the flavor develop. It's not necessarily more work. It's just a little more planning. You just gotta be yeah, a thing yeah. of a day ahead. So if you're right. gonna have friends over at seven p.m. on a Friday, you get started the night before. Yeah, yeah, or or yeah, or even Thursday morning or something. Yeah. You mix dough in ten minutes. You cover it, put it in the fridge, and then the next. 24 hours later, you take it out and you kind of roll it into a ball, let it sit again. And then as, you know, by the time you're ready to make pizza that night or something, it's ready to go. Uh, just let it kind of come to room temperature. And um, it's really, it's going to just taste great and be a lot easier to work with. You're, you'll be impressed with the flavor, but working with the dough will definitely take a little bit of time. It's not something that you can just tell someone. It's like a little bit of a, there's a little nuance and a little finesse there that after you know practicing a few times, you'll you'll get the hang of it. But but you've always told me that, I mean, just in terms of what a pizza is made of, it's ninety five percent dough. I mean, I yeah, I don't know the exact. I always say like ninety nine percent, but yeah, it, it really is. I mean, what I always what say, when, when they, oh, human beings are eighty two percent water. I'm like, are we really eighty two percent water? That makes no sense. And if you play golf, they always say trees are ninety percent air. You can hit right through them. I'm like, well, how come I always what? hit them? Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> a, that's a golf saying. Sorry, that's I digress. Right. So all right, so if if you do buy the dough or make yours, um, store bought pizzeria dough. You want to bring it to room temperature first, right? Yeah. So when you if, work it's, with it? If, it, if it's really cold, it, it it might be you know hard to work with. It's it's also something that you it's it's really just a feeling thing. So you can like if it feels like sort of tight um, and you know not willing to move, it just needs to sit out at room temperature like uh, 
covered with like a damp towel or something or just covered in, you know, like Tupperware or something um, until it feels like slack and like, um, I don't know the, the best uh, words to use, but... Uh, Andrew, you're an editor. You want to help me? It'll start here? bubbling a little <laughs> bit and like... Well, it, whenever it, I've touched your dough, yeah. um, it's silky. It's like smooth, like a baby's bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It, it really is. It's It's soft. And it's the kind of thing that's a, that's either it looks alive. If it doesn't look like it's alive, it's if it's perfectly smooth and cold, it'll be tight. So do you really just want to give it a little time? I mean, honestly, it could take like two hours or something. But uh, just yeah, you just it's just something that you'll see and feel. Okay, so you got the dough at room temperature ish. Um, we turn the oven on. Yeah. Our two questions: What temperature does your oven at your pizzeria go to? I cook all the pizza at 600 degrees. Okay. Your um, basic home oven probably gets to 500-ish. Is that yeah, fair? Mine yeah. actually goes to 550, but 500, just, you're going to make great pizza still. All right. So turn the oven on as high as you can get it. Basically, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't go above 600, but, okay. but uh, yeah, for most this home dough, ovens aren't. Yeah. And right. then where I always wonder, where should the rack be? Is it middle? Is it lower? Is it upper? Um. I mean, generally the heating source is at the bottom, so I keep it towards the bottom without actually putting it on the bottom. Um, and then, um, yeah, just uh, keep make sure you, you have a stone or baking steel or something in there. You have to. That's that's non-negotiable. You yeah, need I, I would. Stone. Yeah, I don't know how else you do it. Well, I mean, I, can't, I, I do mine on a sheet tray. I can't do that. You can you can absolutely do it on a sheet tray. It's not going to get as crispy mm-hmm. as a pizza you'll get at a pizzeria, which is what okay. you want. So right. you could do whatever you know you want. The results are just going to be a lot nicer with the pizza stone. And if you have the stone in the oven piping hot, then you need the the peel to slide that that right. platter that sort of slides off. Yeah, which is a little bit that takes can a be technique, right? A little tricky. Yeah, yeah. and and you want to make sure that the what is what is the trick for getting it to slide oh, off? Oh man, like that? it's I'm still like nervous about it. Yeah, <laughs> well, like every time nervous. you make a pie, you get nervous. Not nervous, but you're never. It's it's like it's like being confident, but then also like not taking it for granted. Like you're just doing it. It's just, you, you have to commit, you know, and like you like sort of put it in the oven. You you put the tip of it down, and then you just kind of give it like a little shake, and then. It should just sort of like start to gradually come off, and then you just like gently pull the peel out. But does the peel have a lot of flour on it when you're doing that? I use uh, I use semolina. People can people use uh, cornmeal, which I actually hate. If you're really nervous about working with a peel, you're not confident enough. You could all, always um, make the dough on a piece of parchment, and then. It's kind of slide that in the oven, which will just basically come right off, which I probably should have put in the book. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just realizing that now because um, that, that that would be like really easy. And then you could just slip the parchment out and it's not going to give an, any flavor to the. Uh, to is there a particular stone that you would recommend? Uh, new, new uh, there's a there's a site online called like NewYorkBakers.com, I think. Yeah, NYBakers.com. Yeah, and they have a really nice stone. And I recommend they have one that's, 20 inches by 16 inches. Yeah. So you could sort of bake whatever you want right on there. Right here in the magazine for 65 bucks. All right, yeah. so you got, you got your oven ripping hot. You got your stone in there. You're rolling out. You, you take off a hunk of dough. You sort of shape it with your hands. All right, this is interesting. You say you need two kinds of mozzarella. Explain that. So one of the best pieces I've ever had in my life was from Defara in Brooklyn. Um, and he he did that technique, and it created this thing that was so rich and delicious. Um, it's basically like if you just use 
like shredded low moisture mozzarella. You're gonna get what you get at every pizzeria like in America. And, and when you say low moisture, that's what you buy at the supermarket in the plastic wrap. Right, exactly. Block. Um, or that's shredded too. The yeah, shredded or that's stuff. pre-shredded. Yeah. Um, and then this is, again, this is like a hybrid where you have the Neapolitan thing where they're using fresh, uh, you know, mozzarella. And then you use, so you're using both kind of techniques, which just creates this like rich, buttery cheese that marries with the mm. sauce. It's like amazing. So All right, and I'm getting hungry. Uh, well, let's talk about the sauce. Keep it simple, right? Yeah, I mean the 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 trick I learned from the the pizza in Naples is that they don't cook the sauce, so it's a very you buy tomatoes that taste good, get good canned tomatoes. I buy crushed tomatoes. You could get buy whole tomatoes and put them through a food mill, um, or just break the tomatoes up with your hands and. Really, you don't need to do anything to them. Uh, yeah. yeah, I marinate mine with uh, some fresh garlic, uh, a little sea salt, and extra virgin olive oil. I think you want you definitely want salt. I think you want a little bit of salt. A in little there. salt, yeah. yeah. Or you season on the top, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But talk about the garlic because that's interesting that you put the garlic in there, but you don't cook the garlic. So then you've got raw garlic in the sauce. Is that true? Well, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's like, I think of it as like marinated tomatoes, mm-hmm. and then from there. Everything – that's the whole point with the, the way they do it in Naples is that you want something that's very fresh and bright tasting. So if you cooked it before you put it on there, you're going to end up with like a ragu. Yeah. Which Ooh. is like thick and, Ugh. you know. Yeah. This is gnarly. Right. No. With this technique, it's a lot less effort and then you also get a brighter, you know, fresher tomato sauce, which is – Awesome. Do most of the pizza places that you've been to, like Great Lakes in Chicago or Defara or Chris Bianco's place out in Phoenix, are most of them doing uh, fresh tomato sauce and then just putting it on the pizza that way? Or Yeah, p- fresh from a can. So the, the stuff yeah. I like and you like, that's what they're doing. Is yeah, fresh. I don't know Defara, um, but yeah, everyone else is. Adam, when I was when I was watching Joe make uh, the, the pizza for the first time, um, when we, was, when we were writing the story originally, the sauce was probably the epiphany for me, uh, why his pizza tasted so fresh. And I remember you told a story about you called Chris Bianco, who's kind of the legend of pizza making in the U.S., one of them. Yeah. Um, and you said, what kind of tomatoes should I use? Yeah. You know, because and Chris obviously makes his own now, has his own. And what did he tell you? He said... He he basically, I mean, it's very, he's a philosophical dude and uh, just uh, he's an inspiration. But he he basically said, I can't tell, I could tell you what kind of tomatoes I use, but they might not be the best tomatoes for you. It's like, I can't tell you what your favorite thing is. You have to d- decide and come up with that for yourself. So I, you know, I just learned so much just from that. It's like, it's almost like you, you already know everything you need to know in a way. And uh, so I, you know, I found, I tasted a lot of tomatoes and I, I currently use uh, the tomatoes that I, I really in, like thought were awesome, which are the Jersey fresh tomatoes. He's like, he's like pizza Yoda. Yeah, he is. Oh pizza yeah, he Yoda. is. Yeah, he's the real deal. <laughs> okay. Let, let's talk toppings because I think one of the shortcomings of many American pizzas is that they just put too much damn crap on top and yeah, then it gets, it, it gets weighted down and you pick it up and the. The, the pointy off. part of the pizza slides off, and I'm like, Dude, and everyone's like, oh, let's get like seven things on your pizza. Like, let's get sausage and pepper. I'm like, no, what do you yeah, – ah. I completely agree. I, I can remember <gasps> the first time I ate at Tafara, and I had I ordered a, a round, one of his round pies, and the f- 
one half I ordered plain and the other half I got the special, which was like sausage and peppers and onions or whatever. And the first bite, I was like laughing and crying. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it's so good. And then when I got to the special side, I was upset with myself that I had ordered it because I hate, I, it was just like too much. <laughs> it was so heavy and like, I don't, I'm not really that much of a meat guy for pizza, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, lo I love simple and I like to um, sort of, as I'm making the pizza, I space things out in a way where it's not like every single bite is like a bite of pepperoni because then it's just like over sort of, yeah it's overkill so my question is and this is sometimes i have gotten confused about this in terms of what toppings do you pre-cook and what toppings do you put on raw that's a great question <laughs> it, is, it is a good question no Come on. no i've been like i've done ground sausage before and i'm like well if i put ground sausage on raw will the 500 yeah. degree oven uh, cook that ground sausage the, no yes uh, no that's the best decision you've ever made is to put raw so, like sausage onto a pizza wait I, I don't know if you're being sarcastic no no i'm, I'm absolutely honest uh it's uh mark vetri uh does that at Osteria and I think Pizzeria Vetri, and it like it's just so much better because you you're cooking you know in in the the eight or ten minutes and mm -hmm. it's like a tiny little piece of pork so it's not it's yeah you, you, know, you sort of take the sauce oh, yeah, out yeah, of the yeah. casing and like yeah, crumble it up it's so good and because all the fat renders everything the all the flavors on there okay yeah it's, I thought I had to no, pre-cook it but, but I, I you but your pizzeria you cook the sauce you pre-cook the sausage I I I tend to cook the sausage at Pizzeria Badia, like medium, medium rare, and then put it on. Okay. Because you're essentially cooking it twice. So, you know, really only have to cook it once. My thing is I don't want to handle raw sausage because I can't always wash my hands. Uh, okay. As soon as, every time I handle it, I, I just wouldn't. Because, the 40 pizzas would take like nine yeah. hours. <laughs> because Joe is the only employee yeah, at Pizzeria so. Badia. Um, but like, for instance, uh, I'd love to put the greens on like the white pizza or, or red pizza for that matter. Um, spinach, Swiss chard, um, even collard greens, which are really, you know, sort of a tough, um, hearty green. And what happens is they, they part of the, part of the green sort of marries into the pizza and, you know, softens and the other part gets crispy like a kale chip. And it's just really wonderful. Do you, um, do you slick the greens with olive oil first? Or you just put them on dry. No, I just put them on dry, and then sometimes, and and I'll always season them a little bit mm -hmm. with some salt. But um, what yeah. is what is your take on kale on pizza? Because I know a lot of people like my mom who get very annoyed by kale. Do you think it's a good pizza topping? I do. Yeah, I, I like that. I like any sort of green on pizza. I don't know. I haven't really uh, found any that I didn't like. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put like iceberg lettuce on a pizza, but. <laughs> That's a terrible that, idea. That, 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 we were in the 80s. That was like, uh, was it taco pizzas or whatever oh, they called? Oh, there's so much. When they would put yeah. like the shredded lettuce and cheese. Do you ever have that? Well, I've had I've had a BLT pizza. Good. I just oh, had yeah. one where you- Cheeseburger pizza? Yeah, but that, that was kind. just putting iceberg lettuce dressed in buttermilk uh, at the end of the yeah, cooking process nice. with some bacon. But <laughs> mushrooms, you you don't cook those. Um, I would probably not cook- yeah, I, you don't really have to. Right. No. Just I, thinly sliced. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you could saute mushrooms if you want to, but again, like like we use cremini mushrooms and they they render out some liquid when you're cooking. I mean, it's nice to if you have a, a really hot pan and you want to saute some oyster mushrooms and get them crispy and then throw them on the pizza, that's fine. That's fine um, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I mean, you really, 
I'm trying to think what else you you, you have to cook. Like you know, for instance, we'll roast on, uh, onions in the in the oven for uh, you know an hour and a half and make really nice caramelized onions and put those on the pizza. Ooh, I do that. I do that. Yeah. I'll sometimes do a white pizza with mm. caramelized onions and ground sausage. Yeah, that sounds good. That's a good one. Yeah. And I think you do the same as they do at like Emily Squared. Emily Squared? Emily Squared. In Brooklyn, which make really good pizza. But they do – they always say they what, – what I like is they add the fresh basil after it comes out of the oven. Oh, yeah. There's a there's a lot of um, elements of the pizza, you know, that I make and a lot of other uh, good, you know, pizza places do. Uh, for instance, the fresh basil always after, um, just to, to you know let it remain fresh and vibrant. Um, anchovies, you use you're using nice anchovies. I never cook them. I am it's not like, making. I'm not using nice anchovies. Well, I'm not I'm using not, any anchovies. Joe. Okay, That's well, yeah. you should you should use nice anchovies from Sicily, um, and uh, put those on when it comes out, and they'd sort of like meld a little bit. And Are these like the wonderful. white anchovies? Not white no, anchovies. No, no, is I'm that not, too fancy? That's like Spanish or something. That's, that's <laughs> more of a cure, like a weird... It feels cooked in a way. Those are not yeah, those, good on pizza. I don't like. like I yeah. actually hate those on pizza. Yeah, <laughs> the Agostina Recca Sicilian anchovies are the ones that I use, and I love them. They they almost fresh out of the can. They almost taste like Parmesan. It's so rich with like umami. They're like amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and and you know, I know in the in the article I I wrote about how you treat the pizza. Um, sort of like an, a, a pasta dish. And that's the same thing. You, If you grate Parmesan before it goes in the oven, you lose all that nuance of, of the cheese where if you grate it See, on I've when it comes after. I've done that before, and, it, and I'm like, why isn't this better? And so I should, I should wait till it comes out. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Pickled chilies, which we which are really popular at the pizzeria, um, I put those on after. Um, and those are like, do you, uh, is that like pickled peppers you mean? Like yeah, you I, I pickle serranos. You could uh-huh. use jalapenos. It's, it's like jalapeno yeah. slices. Yeah. But you can buy them in a jar. Yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah. Uh, then you also, when the pie comes out of your oven at home, do you also do a quick drizz of olive oil yeah, over it? Yeah, absolutely. Just a little bit of richness. You get, you get some flavor from, you know, having a nice... Uh, fruity olive oil but you too. mentioned the pasta comparison I think that's when I first saw uh, Dom DeMarco DeFara do it and then you do it Joe is when it comes out of the pizza you sprinkle it with a little salt if you want a little bit of Parmesan or Reggiano or whatever cheese you're using yeah. and then olive oil I, that yeah. makes the difference oh me. yeah yeah it's it's like another whole other level of flavor right. I do I also do a little Sicilian oregano on our uh, tomato pies at the at the pizzeria um, just for some a little Flavor and some like uh, aroma, I guess. Oh well, yeah, I like that. It's interesting that there's those those two those levels like the, of it getting baked and taking the heat, and then the, the fresh cheese and olive oil and basil at the end to sort of waking it up um, is really nice. Now let's let's talk meats because you were talking about mortadella on a pizza, which intrigues me. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things I grew up with that I absolutely love, and which is weird because I I was kind of a picky eater growing up, and it is a weird looking thing sometimes also for known people. as bologna back when yeah we were it's, the, up. <laughs> it's literally the original bologna in of you know the in the world um and i love it when it's when a hot pizza comes out of the oven and you just sort of drape it over top and the fat rent melts a little bit and and you just and then you slice it and it's really just a layer of like rich Fat. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if you can go, if you can go to an Italian market and ask them to slice the mortadella really thin for you, yeah, and that just sort of and you so that just sort of yeah, it sort of melds with the pizza. You can do the same thing with 
Prosciutto, right? Prosciutto, speck. Uh, speck I, I love because it's smoked. Um, yeah, all the, all those things are really, they're they're cured. Um, th they have such delicate, you know, wonderful flavor that if you cook them, it, they would just be, they would lose lose all of it. So, but yeah. but your point in in the book, you even have somebody's holding up all these different meats, and that you can see through them almost. Because I get sometimes a prosciutto pie. And it's so thick that you take a That's bite disgusting. of the pizza and it all comes yeah. off yeah. in one and big it's thing. Stuck in your teeth. Yeah. And, nobody ugh. wants that. Nobody wants no. that. So very thin. Yeah, I mean, yeah. as thin as like delis normally slice yeah. stuff. Yeah. But that's nice when you when you go to a place and you can you can ask you can let them know like hey I want yeah. that like razor thin. Um, I, I I have a feeling I don't know if you're gonna like this Joe, but I oftentimes <laughs> when I make pizza at home, I'll do like the cheese pie and then I'll have like a little arugula salad with some little cherry tomatoes and olive oil and lemon in there. And then I'll take a bunch of that and put it on the pizza and do like a pizza slice, a, a, a salad, salad slice. slice. I think that's great. I mean, I, I don't, I don't do it with a tomato, uh, uh, but I, I don't, I don't have any issue with it. Um, I love, <laughs> I love arugula. Um, we have, we just got some wild arugula, uh, like a week ago for the, for uh, pizza shop and it's just so spicy and mm. like it, it you Peppery. know you put it on when it comes out it's and it starts to wilt a little bit yeah. and it's like really I like that I like when it gets a little bit wilted because yeah. arugula is a pretty it's still pretty assertive yeah. but it, it can it can mellow a little bit right. when it's on the pie is there anything you just will not put on a pizza uh, I'm probably not going to do some you know chicken you're not doing the buffalo pizza? Thai, no, thai chicken? I don't. I like wings, but I don't want to put them on a pizza. Uh, I probably wouldn't. I don't know. Like I was, fruit I, and I stuff. Was, I but know. you have pineapple in, in the book. You have I, a pineapple I pie. Do, I do. It's just like it's one of those flavors I grew up with, and I think I do like that. I don't, I've never actually made it at the at the pizza shop. It was just something for the book, but yeah. I, um, I was in Buffalo this past weekend where my wife is from, and in Buffalo – this is not at all surprising, but there, when you order the pizza, you get a side of blue cheese to dip the pizza mm. in. You ever done that? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, I, I like that. I don't serve that, but it's uh, yeah, it's good. I'm I'm trying not to gain any more weight, so <laughs> I don't dip my pizza in like yeah cheese. See, this but. past weekend, I introduced uh, ranch dressing and pizza to my kids. See, I would do. Their mind. I would I would yeah. ask I would ask for the ranch because the cheese is already on the pizza. Oh, so blue I don't cheese need... is they. That's nasty. Well, yeah, because they have the wings. All right. they they have, just have most so places that serve pizza also serve wings or vice versa. So if you go to like Anchor Bar, for instance, you can get pizza and wings and stuff. Okay. And you've got the blue cheese, and you're just kind of – it's there, so why not? Right. You know. What about morning after pizza, cold pizza? Were you a cold pizza guy, or do you heat uh, up your pizza? I actually – in my life, I eat everything cold. So <laughs> if it's lasagna, if it's Chinese Ooh. food, any, any – I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't eat eggs cold, and I wouldn't probably eat soup cold. But beyond that, everything. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm not I, heating anything I up. I like, don't use a microwave. No like, toaster. I, I mean, I don't own a toaster. Uh, okay. Don't any other. Uh, I, I have one show? question, just because I think it's a question you're going to get a lot. Is Pizza Camp is the title of your book, and there's yeah. a funny story behind Pizza Camp. It was like a slur, wasn't it, to you? Uh, more or less. Yeah. I mean, I was uh, staging at uh, Osteria, Mark Vetri's Osteria, when they like early on when they. Uh, I don't even know how long ago it was at least 10 years or so and contacted Chris Bianco I was very early on in this idea that I was going to make pizza as a career and I reached out to Chris and I said hey do you have any sort of advice for uh you know someone in the who wants to 
to learn more. And um, they checked my credentials with, you know, Mark Fetcher or something. And this line cook had a, uh, an, you know, some sort of apprenticeship that summer there. And for some reason, he thought I was like infringing on his territory, which I wasn't. I was, you know, just asking for advice, basically. And he came in one morning to the locker room as I was changing, and he said, <laughs> pack your shit up, pizza camp's over. <laughs> so I was like, kind of, so I, I, I never went back, but, uh, you know, the, the chef there was, you know, he said that, he, you know, he had no right to do that, and you're you're welcome back anytime, but the guy was, you know, like, he so was he employed could. there, so I was like, I'm not going back to... So you, and, and your and your Instagram handles Pizza Camp and your yeah. books. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's totally let it go. Yeah. He's over it. I, I will say that he brought a bottle of champagne into the pizza shop and apologized. Oh, which, he did. That was like amazing. Yeah. And and I have one more question. I'm going to put yeah. you on the spot. You've been you've been making pies for five years now at Pizzeria Badia. Well, four years. Four years. Yeah, five years. Of the year. And and people at home have to understand that like there's no like if if the if Joe's sick or. Joe gets drunk and doesn't show up at work next day. Pizzeria Badia is closed. You're the only one that touches the pizza. That's uh, yeah. That's, that's true. Right, yeah. So I've heard recently that um, if you want to go to Pizzeria Badia, you better make it soon because you don't think Pizzeria Badia is going to be around much longer. Well, I have a five year lease, and we just passed year four. And for me, I feel like five years when I get to the end of it I'm not going to do five more years like if I started cooking when I was 20 or 18 like a lot of like people normally do I could probably go for 20 years but I started when I was like 36 so now I'm 40 and it's like I don't really the hours are so I mean it's pretty grueling and I also wanted to like I also want to say like I really love doing it and I want to continue to love doing it and so thinking to the future, I'm not going to want to, you know, be there for 60 hours a week. A, I love that we're breaking news on the Bon Appetit Foodcast. Yeah. Um, B, do you think Dom at DeFaro's is like, <laughs> I don't know if I can go another five years. I'm 46 years old. That guy, you know? is, that guy is a legend. I, 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 if I could make him pizza one day, it would be a, a dream come true. And I, I don't know where. I mean, that, he's like 80 or something. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I just not that, um, yeah. So what, what's next then? Uh, I don't know yet. I, I, you know, something maybe involving pizza. I love the idea of making wine, but I don't know how to do that. So <laughs> I don't know. Not a sandwich. Go, not just, a sub. Just, just I, I'm a, I'm open to anything. I I don't know. How about how about wine camp? Wine camp is great. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it'd be, we could get some people signed up for that. <laughs> All right. Before we let you go, lightning round. Uh, ready to do this thing? Yeah. Red or white? Uh, white. Got a favorite? Uh, I, I have three. I don't know. I'm I'm like really into Chenin Blanc, Riesling, and you know some sort of champagne. Mm, so okay, All those right. are like what I'm into. Flyers or Phillies? Uh, Phillies. I've never been a hockey person. I never. I didn't grow up with hockey. I guess. All right, Rodney Dangerfield or Don Rickles? Ooh, that's <laughs> like a that's a tie. I mean, <laughs> I I I loved Rickles, but I grew up with. Rodney, so I mean, I would have to say Rodney because he's yeah. But I, I yeah, I love I love Don Rickles, but yeah, Rodney. Cheesesteak or roast pork? Oh, uh, roast pork, no question. What's your favorite shop in Philly for that? Uh, I tend to go to the um the Nick's in the Reading Terminal Market. Okay. Yeah, John's is also great, but um, I just like going to the terminal. Uh, you just got back from a long trip to various places. Yeah. 
Thailand or Japan? Thailand or uh, Japan? No, no question. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thailand wasn't for you. No, I'm not. I'm like a, you know, you I like, like you like order. I like order, and Japan is the <laughs> most extreme order, and Thailand is like, you know, such a wonderful place and great food, and the people are great. But you know, you're it's swimming in a pool, and there's you, there's trash floating down the river. Where Japan, it's like the complete opposite. So I and and the food in in like Tokyo is like amazing. So, yeah. Uh, centipede or Galaga? Oh man, I guess Galaga. That's like the spaceship one. Yeah. <laughs> so you're at the bottom of the screen, and the guys, the yeah. little bugs are like coming down at you. What's it? 1942. Is that a game with the, the planes? It's not oh, a game. really. Was it like, oh, like world, I, like propel, propeller planes? Yeah, yeah. I think that. Oh, and then you could get cool. two on the wings, like almost. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Oh. Anyway, yeah. My sister has one of those sit down. Uh, oh yeah, at her house. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's really cool. But that's the and and you can play like twenty games now. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. Can get, it's like yeah, an I don't know how I version. feel about that, but yeah, you can it's like choose your better. Game. It's better than Miss <laughs> Pac-Man only. Because you have Miss Pac-Man. I never so. liked Mr. or Miss Pac-Man. This was never my, never my thing. Uh, I, I like Miss Pac-Man drives better. me crazy. What is the difference? Other than that, just like I the outfits. Miss Pac-Man, I think, was improved, uh, uh, an improved Pac-Man, because okay. they, they, they work right. through stuff. And there's a lot more going on in terms of some of the levels and all that. Uh, Plus, she has a bow in her hair, too. It says, yeah. I, I think I already know the answer to this one. It says sardines or anchovies, but... Uh, I mean, I I love them both. Actually, for lunch and also in Pizza Camp, the 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 cookbook, um, there's a recipe for smoked sardine like sandwich slash hoagie. Uh, I get these really nice. Uh, you know that's not sardines. a pizza, right? No, I know, but it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a good substitute for when you're tired of pizza, and it's like kind of healthier, maybe. Last question, Nolton. Uh, I think we've already asked Joe this. Oh, we'll ask him again. Let's ask him yeah. again. Last question: Butter or olive oil? Uh, you know, uh, definitely olive oil. I mean, I'm sort of yeah. I I just I I love olive oil. I put it on everything. Extra virgin olive oil from I use the one from California. It's really delicious. You say the one from California? Uh, it's like uh, <laughs> it's California, California grown, olive California ranch, grown. Yeah, yeah. Arbu Arbu. Arbutina Kina. Kina? Yeah, is the olive. Uh, yeah, I love that. I don't know. I grew up with butter, Lancaster County. It's like I butter, you know, you keep it in your cupboard, and, uh, never in the refrigerator. And I love butter, but yeah, I'm, I'm an olive oil guy now. I need to be a little healthier. <laughs> All right, Joe Badia, thank you very much. Congratulations on Pizza Camp. Thank you so much. All right, that was Joe Badia. Now here's Test Kitchen editors Carla Lolly Music and Andy Baragani talking spring pasta. So you say spring pasta, and even without defining it, I'm immediately like, ooh, I like spring pasta. Like when I go to a restaurant, if there's something with like fresh vegetables and the pasta is kind of either olive oily or brothy or a little buttery. Like, that's what I want more typically than, like, the big bolognese or red sauce or whatnot. I, I want that fresh pasta, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. I and mean, it's not like you want bolognese in June. No. <laughs> I mean, <I've> made <laughs> but no, not, you know, plenty of love for bolognese when it's well, stick your ribs time. Well, I think what's so great with spring pasta is that you could showcase the vegetables in the spring, but also the pasta. It's not, it's not coated with heavy sauces. 
Sugos or ragus. Mm, so. Interesting. Yeah. I, so I, I, I think in, typically, it's, in my mind, it's, it's veg-centric, uh, like pasta primavera. Uh, it starts with the vegetable and that, and that notion of like going to the farmer's market. Uh, it's finally warming up outside. Um, and and I, so I guess my feeling, question, Andy, is like, yeah, how do, you, how do you treat that? So say you go to the market, they have some nice peas or asparagus, mm-hmm. some fennel or something. What are you doing with that? To turn it into a pasta, because like I, I do think there's different ways. Some things you saute, some things you need to blanch first. What are some basic rules in terms of taking just good po- vegetables and combining it with pasta? Well, in regards to spring produce and how to incorporate it in pasta, I think uh, asparagus, uh, English peas. I'm trying to think of other ones, they should be blanched ahead of time. So sugar, that you add, sugar snaps, sugar maybe snaps. or. Haricover, the little baby green beans. Yeah. Yeah. I had friends. I was at a friend's house last summer, and they had a little garden. They had little baby carrots, which mm. were really nice. And, and obviously, you want to blanch those, or like, or if you have radishes or something, oh, yeah, you want to throw in there. Yeah. Blanch ahead of time, and then add it uh, kind of towards the end because it's already pretty much cooked. So just to kind of warm through. Yeah. And then other spring veg like spring onions, green garlic. Um, any greens like any greens yeah. that are going to cook really quickly, I would just cook with the pasta, yeah, and the pasta cooking liquid. So you got your sort of pan going with the oil, maybe some some alliums mm. or garlic. You get your pasta going in a well salted pot. You're going to sauté, like I said, whether it's some spring onions or some shard in there. Mm-hmm. Dump the pasta, Dump the pasta in pasta. with that. That's very al dente. With some pasta water, exactly. so you're kind of tossing it in the pan, and then meanwhile, like I said, if you have these other veg that you've blanched and you're just blanching those in salted water quickly. Yeah, I use the same pot as I would cook the pasta. Oh, yeah, so, duh. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so you just do those before you put the pasta in. Exactly. Duh. Yeah. And then you do, are you the type who shocks them in ice water afterwards? Or? I do shock them, although I was taught not too early on. Really? Meaning yeah. What? I, so I think I, you're always supposed to shock, right, yeah, Carla? Yeah, I mean, I always well, do. But. It's a, I think it depends on the scenario because I think if you're at home and you're doing this concurrently, you know, you've got your pan where you're building your pasta sauce and you've got the pot of boiling water and it's going to go, you know, the asparagus, say, if that's what you're blanching, is coming straight out of your boiling salted water right into the pan, then the pasta— No, but, but, but it's not—I don't think it's going to because you're taking the asparagus out and then you need to boil the pasta well, in the same water, so that's going to take 10 minutes. But can I tell you what I do? I actually yeah. add the veg at the tail end of the, the pasta, pasta cooking. Oh. So the pasta's does, already— it doesn't, get, it doesn't get mixed up with the—or you just— No, it, do, it does, but wow. that's, right. yeah. All right, my you to, ex- Your timing has to be— Your timing has to be good, yeah. but, you know, when you're talking about spring peas, asparagus, we're talking about a minute and a half, mm-hmm. two minutes at the most. So wow, you're blowing my mind. So all right, so, you, so you, you're like, all right, I know I only have about a minute and a half less of cooking time. It's been the pasta's been in for seven minutes. Yep, nine minute, eight and a half minutes is al dente. So you just throw in like the diced up yep. asparagus, maybe some peas. Yep, and then you're taking all of those together with like a, a strainer or whatever sure. and mm-hmm. putting it in the pan. Correct, Amanda. What did you? Wow, I love that. I mean, I wish I, did. I, I never thought of it. But Why? if you did were, we, gonna, you know, what you should have done. What should, should I have done? You, you should have put that in Bon Appetit magazine because <laughs> <laughs> that's a great tip. I need to, you know, diversify the information through all of our channels. Right? These podcast listeners deserve know, unique true. information. <laughs> this is for them. Exclusive content. We have so much. Um, okay, so so you've got say some peas, some asparagus. Uh, in with the pasta water, salted pasta water. Love that. Meanwhile, in the pan, you've got your sizzling green garlic or whatever, mm-hmm. maybe some Swiss chard that's quickly sautéing. Mm-hmm. 
You're combining all that with some pasta water and some butter. Please say butter, Absolutely. Andy. Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's fall, winter, spring, summer. I'm finishing my pasta with a napa butter. And then you're just kind of tossing it like a restaurant professional. Constantly. constantly. With that yeah. elliptical sort of motion <laughs> in the pan. Um, wow. See, I'm hungry already. Yeah. Now, Me what, too. What, I keep thinking about one of the best spring pastas I ever had, and I hadn't thought about it till we sat down, was at Roman's like a couple of years ago. And it was a, it was like a true spring minestrone, but mm-hmm. it had the little, these beautiful little, um, I think they're called anelli. They're mm-hmm. like flat. They're kind of uh, like didalini, but they're very flat, like rings. Okay. Wait. And all this spring veg, and it was a little bit brothy, and it just was amazing. Well, I want to get to the broth thing, but you're saying minestrone soup, but uh, no. Well, they you, were you treating did say it. Minestrone. I did say minestrone, but it was, it was a little soupy. It was somewhere in between. It was like pasta well, fagioli, but it was spring. I want to get to brothy pastas in a minute, okay. Andy, because I want to talk about your gnocchi. But um, so all right, so let's. So you've got this pasta, some little water, some butter, a little olive oil. You got your fragrant alliums, your greens, and you have like your sort of blanched veg, like what we'll say it's peas and asparagus, all tossed together. Do you finish it with Parmesan cheese? Are you a no? Like, what do you? What do you? How do you finish a pasta it like this? It depends on the pasta. So, mm. like, sometimes it's Parmesan, sometimes it's grana padano. But yes, usually a salty, hard cheese. Um, I think just about all of these pastas were finished with cheese, except for the um, the cockles with mm. the fregola. We'll get to the cockles in a minute, young man. Um, <laughs> Carla, are you? See, I will do this, and, and maybe I'm guilty, but I don't think I'm guilty. I will do some cheese when it's out of the pan and in the big serving bowl. Because like when you sometimes when you put the cheese in the pan with the pasta, it gets it sticks to the bottom of the pan. Yep. And especially if it's been microplaned. Yeah, yeah, so I'll take it out. I'll pour the pasta and all the nice saucy liquid into like a big serving bowl, so it's still piping hot. Then I'll fold in some cheese. the cheese, and then I like to hit it with the crispy, salty, fresh breadcrumbs on top. Oh, yeah. Great Always. choice. For some crunch to go with those crispy, fresh veg. Love. I, I think you can use toasted nuts that way. You can use, you know, you can oh, saute yeah. let's, some. Let's, let's, can we talk toasted nuts? Please. Absolutely. Well, talk toasted nuts. What do we got? Great. I mean. I love hazelnuts. Yeah, I, I mean, that's say. Hazelnuts are one of my favorite nuts. Um, crushed almonds. It could be marcone almonds. It could be skin-on almonds. Uh, pine nuts. Some in your pesto. Some coarsely crushed. So what will you do? You Do you toast them in a dry pan? Do you do them in the oven? What, I do it in your, the oven. So what do you do? Talk us through this. 350, like, depending on the nut, it could be anywhere from six to eight minutes, golden, fragrant. Smell it. Smell it, let it cool. Yeah. Coarsely chop, or if you're me, in a mortar and pestle. Oh, boy. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, and that's like another topping. And I think most people don't ever think about putting nuts on a, a pasta, but it adds a little richness and crunch. Yeah, it's fatty, it's flavor, and it's uh, texture. I like so, pistachios. I love pistachios. Well, we know you love pistachios. Yeah, love pistachios. You, I added to my uh, my pesto this year. So. I feel like every time you've been on the podcast, you've talked about pistachios <laughs> and rice somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, all right. So you have cr- fresh breadcrumbs. Are I? Are you the type, Carl, that always has fresh breadcrumbs in your kitchen at home? Generally speaking, yes. If I don't have fresh breadcrumbs, I definitely have stale bread. Yeah, you're one <laughs> so, and you're one step away. Yeah. I think we always. I always like. I feel like we always at the wrap of Buckhouse always have. You buy some loaf of bread that you intend to eat, and you don't finish it, and it's just sitting on your counter. Then you're like, oh, well, at least I can just throw that in the Cuisinart. Yeah. Blitz it, throw it in the oven. Preferably before it's rock hard. But. I don't always have stale bread in the house, but I do always have panko. I was going to say. Yeah, I do love my panko. It's oh, well, All right, so if you're going to put—and I love panko also because I love a chicken cutlet. Um, if you're going to put panko on a pasta, will you saute it in a pan with a little 
exactly. oil first I'll to brown it. Exactly. A little bit of olive oil, maybe a little bit of garlic, and then season really? with a good amount of salt and pepper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit of lemon zest. Butter? Ooh. Why wouldn't you toast some in butter? Or in butter, yeah. Well, I mean, you don't need to, do you? I mean, like, you listen, I mean, everything, yeah, sure. But you don't, I mean, olive oil does a trick. Yeah, but right? what's the diff? Well, I, just they're different fats. Sure, it's buttery though, and you've got if you're if we're comparing it to cheese. Uh, yes, it tastes better with butter. I mean, like everything's <laughs> better with butter. Okay, but yeah, so I like that crunch. I like the the, the nuts. Um, I love veg. Oh, you know what's also nice? Actually, thinking like what one thing I did enjoy when I made this. Uh, I just the quick riff fresh spring pasta at my friends last year, and it literally went into the garden. It was just like, what do they have? Mm-hmm. Um, and throwing a little carrots, which having a little carrots in there color-wise, getting mm-hmm. a little orange to go with the green. I'm having a really hard time with the carrots. It, I'm really dude, having a hard dude. time. I'm really, it's <laughs> no. like, it's, it's taking me to I've a dark no, I'm place. Like you know trying what? To you know remember what? You, the, might, you might have had a hard time going to Noma for the first time <laughs> and eating Renee Redzepi's food because you're like, I don't understand. Are you comparing carrot <laughs> pasta oh to eating at Noma? <laughs> ish, ish. Yeah, I'm just saying you have to open your mind to something new because you were like, oh, carrots don't belong I'm, I'm, in pasta until no, you put them I in said pasta. I I'm having a really hard time with the with carrots. I've never had it. I'm like trying to think about what it would be like. The only time I put carrot... In a pasta is when I do Mario Batali's, um, his like basic tomato sauce oh, but has that, a carrot. Has a carrot. But that's you the, chop it up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but that, this is different. This is carrot. I know. That's, carrot the, has, that's the problem. <laughs> this is as one of the starring ingredients. And okay, another thing, for instance, I would not put slivers, like sort of bias cut carrots with like spaghetti, but I would put it with some ziti, you know, yeah, or well, rigatoni. all the same shape yeah. penne, penne, rules. Penne regatta. Yes. So if you have a penne regatta and then you have some pieces of carrot and asparagus that are relatively the same size and all of a sudden it makes sense together. It makes sense. And you're like, and you, and you, and unlike, I would then probably do the carrots a little longer than your peas and asparagus because the carrots need to cook a little longer yeah, so they're true. more tender. They should. You know, Listen, I'm an I'm an equal opportunity I'm, I'm veg, interested. veg employer. I guess, I'm gonna, if you think pasta fagioli and there might be some carrots in yep. that, then that could be a way in for the carrot. But I would do something spicy with it. I know, would because want they're so sweet. sweet. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, say in the garden, you might have some chilies. You know, you just never know. Some chilies. Um, I wanted to talk about cheeses again. Okay. Going back because yeah. we talked about the hard cheeses, the salty cheeses, and then that took us into salty toasted nuts. And mm. Andy even did like crumbled um, crispy bacon and guanciale. Mm. But I also like a fresh cheese with Love. the pasta. So like even in a pesto, instead of finishing it with more parm, a spoonful of ricotta or like as you put it out on the table and then you toss it in and it Is warms ricotta it ricotta even really a cheese? It, it's a fresh cheese, yeah. Yeah, cheese. I mean, yeah. It's just like <laughs> cream. It's just you're adding creaminess. Sure. It's good, but okay. so, but it doesn't, but you still, you, you can't, you can do the ricotta if you've already done the Parmesan. Because well, you need that saying, salt, you need that sharpness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another example. Why not, why not just put more butter on Carla? Would be ricotta salada. <laughs> Love too, ricotta salada. Which is salty, yep. but also firmer. sort of crumbly mm-hmm. and has that like fresh- like the, you know, the goats were just around grazing in the spring grasses. Yeah. I love mascarpone. Mascarpone. Oh, I mean, God, that, you guys. Uh, oh, as a sauce. So- I mean, one of the pastas that I made, it's mascarpone is basically that's the sauce starts out with that. Which one is that? It's uh, with it's torn pasta with mascarpone, hazelnuts, uh, crushed chilies. Um, oh, I see. That and artichokes. artichokes. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. 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 
I'm the way you guys are about carrots. I'm about artichokes. I don't want artichokes. My oh pasta. my god! I'm so sorry to hear that. That's <laughs> one of my favorite things. No, well, you've never ever mentioned that before. What do you mean? Uh, the, where, the, oh, artichoke pasta. Artichoke that is pasta. not a thing. I mean, it's yeah. kind of a thing. Like when you get like the oil, olive oil and yeah, artichokes. Like exactly. At, at Bar Pedi, they do that. Yeah. And well, that's you, the lamest you, pasta. You go to menu. restaurants around Rome, you'll see a ton <laughs> of pastas with carciofi, and uh, it's a lot of it's usually made with baby artichokes, yep. where it's there's no choke. But and, sometimes uh, I. Even get globe artichokes, and mm-hmm. it's like that's that's love. No, no, you know what's good? that's a lot of love. You know what's good when you go to a restaurant um, and you get like if you're in Rome, like Andy Gargani, <laughs> just hanging out, and you get the carciofi Judaica, the little crispy mm-hmm. artichokes, and then you get a pasta after that. That's I mean, fine. That's, you know, that's because that the crispy artichokes are better yeah. than any of these. Like, I would love a crispy ones. artichoke. But I make mine crispy. They're crispy and super tender and garlicky and parsley mm, All right. Well, you, you can make your carrot pasta and we'll I'll make the artichoke we'll pasta and then okay, let's, we'll let, see. Let, all right. Because it's spring veg, we have to talk ramps, uh, which America loves ramps these days. Um, I, love, I love ramps. Um, I'm, if I'm making ramps, if I go to the market and there's like tons of ramps and they're affordable and they're super fragrant. I'm just sauteing those in a pan with oil, throwing the pasta in there, toss, 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 yeah. finishing with some cheese and breadcrumbs. Absolutely. Like, I, I don't need to do any more than that, do I? I always separate the leaves from the bulb. Oh, yes. I do that, okay. yeah. Good and point. I, Talk about I, that for a second. I mean, I just think they cook at very different rates. Yes. And the bulb, you want to get tender, and it can get caramelized, and it's got mm, such a great, yes. like, oniony flavor. And with the leaves, you can— Chop them into fat ribbons or leave them whole. I kind of whole. leave them whole. Yeah. yeah. And then so, so, I, so start caramelizing the bulbs and then at the end throw in the leaves just to wilt yeah. and then toss in the pasta. Yeah. They could get a little color. They put, kind of puff up, puff you up. know, and you get yeah. a little color on them. They're I do good. like – I mean something like ramps, I, I, you don't need to overcomplicate them. They're in season for like what, a month or so? Yeah, East Coast, yeah, maybe I don't Quick. know. I mean, you see them everywhere, but they it's were like, around this weekend apparently. Oh yeah, Fort Green Market had them. Yeah, but it's just like just here. play it, play it simple. You're not going to have them that much. Just I, I don't think you have to do a lot to. Yeah, them, I would treat know? them like alio olio, you mm-hmm. know, and use that instead of the garlic. A good amount of olive oil. Finish with butter, salt, pepper. They take chili well too. Yeah, a lot of chili. Oh, chili, yeah, chili, chili's yeah. great. Love, chili, yeah, you want some bite? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can we talk pesto? Absolutely, love. I'm, I'm sick of people telling me to. Make carrot top pesto. It's like I don't. I don't no. want carrot top. I don't want carrot top. I, I don't want carrot. You know what carrot tops are? I, I, I hate whatever. I, I, listen, I don't want to be that guy that's like poo pooing stuff. But it's like when you're at the market and they're like, you get the carrots with a giant carrot top. Yeah. And, and, and the cashier was like, would you like us to take this? I'm like, yeah, go ahead, take the Please. top. I don't want the carrot tops. I don't want to make pesto with that. I want to make basil pesto or. Ramp pesto, I Even guess. mint pesto. Give mint me a pesto. chive pesto. Ooh, Give me yes. ramp green Parsley. pesto, kale. How often do you mix greens for a pesto? I do it Good. very often because sometimes like, like – whatever ramp, you got. Yeah, with like ramp pesto, like you're going to need a lot of ramp. So I need a kind of buffer or I want some – if I want it to be extra green, I'll add just a handful of spinach uh, just to make it extremely green. Um, so let's, let's talk – so with pesto, your basic pesto Genovese formula will be uh, basil, pine nuts – Oil, garlic, and then some Parmesan cheese. Yes. Um, talk to me about how uh, how loose and easy are you, Andy, with in terms of subbing out different nuts, subbing in different cheeses. 
you know? Uh, with the cheese, I really do try to stick with Parmesan. I mean, okay. I wouldn't mind uh, Grana Padano. I know we both share our mm-hmm. mutual kind of dislike for Pecorino, so mm-hmm. never any Pecorino. Yeah. With the nuts, definitely you could play with whatever. Uh, do you use pistachios in this I one? I use pistachios in this one, but you could you go with the classic pine nuts. Uh, you could walnuts go with walnuts. So yeah, walnuts are a popular one. Yeah. yeah, walnuts are delicious. They have good fat. But why? I find walnuts. Um, oftentimes, if you eat them straight, they can have that tannic quality. Yeah, they can. But they I, don't in a pesto. You don't think that comes through in a pesto? No, I mean, I think if the walnut is tannic like that, it could be. A, it could just be turning a little mm. bit. You know, they should be sweet and meaty. Yeah. The thing I like about them is they're not as brittle as an almond or a pistachio, mm-hmm. so they blend really well. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, so they're, they're almost like fattier. Yeah. Uh, whereas an almond is a lot of crunch. Yeah. Where, but a pistachio is also nice and tender that way. Mm-hmm. True. I mean, what I really like to do with just about any pesto I do is I'll take some of the elements. And include them in the pesto, but then include them in the pasta and finish them. So, like, if there's pistachio in the pesto, I'll do some crushed pistachio on top. On top. And that and that, that crushed pistachio will be a, of a bigger chunk than the exactly. ones that are ground in exactly. really well. Yeah. I always like with the pesto. So, if I'm making pesto, and I do because I'm a big pesto guy. You are. I love all – I love any greenish pasta. Um, I will have made the, pasta, the pesto or whatever. I'll take a big scoop of it, put it in the bottom of a serving bowl, mm-hmm. making my pasta – then I'll take a little bit of the pasta water to sort of loosen it up, totally. right? And then I'll just toss in the pasta, toss, toss, toss. That's the way to do it. I mean, and finish with pesto some should cheese. never hit a hot pan. Yes, it should always be. It's it's. I can't think of really any other pasta where you're cooking. You're not cooking it. You're not assembling it in a pan. You're assembling it in, in a, a bowl. large bowl yeah. with a little bit of the pasta cooking liquid. Okay, can and you help toss, me? Toss, toss. Can you help me out here, Andy Bergen? Because you're a restaurant industry professional. I feel like <laughs> let's just take your classic pesto genovese. Um, sometimes I make it and it's bright green. Sometimes mm-hmm. I make it and it turns out army green, and I don't know what I'm doing wrong at those times. Probably you, the hot water, though. But are you starting with raw basil all in all of the times? Because you do like that blanched basil method. I've I've done that method before, which I picked up in Liguria. Um, but where you blanch the basil first to sort of preserve its color and. Uh, sometimes that's a pain in the ass, though, and I don't want to deal with like blanching it and then so squeezing these, it. So this problem is really a raw basil. I guess so. You don't scenario. have that problem ever. So Does it always turn out bright green when I you make it? I tend to Let's... blanch. I tend to blanch my basil. Okay. I will add a little bit of parsley or a little bit of spinach, which you won't even taste, just to make sure it's green. And I always make my pesto in a blender. I want it super smooth. It'll be you, more... Mr. Mortar and Pestle, are not using a mortar and oh, pestle no, for your no, pesto? No, 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 really? No, no, no. no. You know, no. pesto means pounding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, that's that's shocking. Um, well, I like the parsley thing because like I, I, I pretty much I'm sure I always have parsley in my a fridge. A little bit, and know? it's just gonna ensure that it stays green. Uh, you know what's nice about parsley? Like a good flat leaf parsley, it lasts a long time a long in your time. fridge, especially if you seal it up in a Ziploc bag. Basil does era. not. No, basil's <laughs> no, gone like, like in a day. A day. But gone do in you make seconds. your pesto in a blender, a Cuisinart, or what? Um, I would I'm say I'm no Cuisinart. It's it's too big. You know, and in terms of traction. extraction and it, it cuts, it doesn't blend. I would say typically a blender. Um, obviously, it depends where I'm at. Like if you're at a beach house and, you, and, they, right. and you'd use what they have sort of thing. I mean, you know, herbs turn brown when they oxidize or mm-hmm. um, that's the one of the biggest things. So even a dull knife and you get too much surface area. So 
the order that you put stuff in the pesto, I think, is important. Like starting with the garlic and the nuts and and, and the cheese the and getting oh, okay. those mm-hmm. all get that paste get going. that going. So if you added your herbs, then I could see how they would maybe heat up even in the bottom of the blender if they're blending for too long, and that would make them go. Wait, so you're saying I should do what? So I've got the blender. Start going. with your pine nuts or uh-huh. whatever nut yeah. you're using, yeah. the garlic clove and the cheese. Okay, blend and that. get those guys all. And Happy, then, really small, yep. b- Betsy. And then throw in the, all the basil with the oil, yeah. right? Because the oil then coats it and sort of it seals it in, I would yes. think. Yes, and I would also run the knife through the basil a few times before I put it in the blender uh, mm. just to give it so it doesn't have to be in there for as long. I mean, if I'm going to do it at home, and granted, I don't have too much space, but I, the first restaurant I worked at, they would pound the pine nuts until it's very, very finely ground, pretty much paste-like, and then pound the garlic until it's a paste. Combine those two. Again, combine, uh, add the basil. They wouldn't chop that, but they would blanch it. Mm. And then they would add the oil. I just feel like when you blanch the basil, you lose so much of the aromatics. Yeah, it's true. Maybe, uh, combine some blanch, some not. Mm. Um, Carla, we were emailing this morning about uh, talking points for today's show, uh, mm-hmm. and you ca- casually referred to, oh, yeah, that alio olio thing where you put the <laughs> salad on top of the pasta. And I was like, what? What, what are you talking about? I love pasta with salad on top. Not pasta salad, but no, pasta no. with salad. But it, explain. Maybe that's the way around pasta yeah. salad. Past, pasta comma salad. So so alio e olio is like one of my favorite pastas, just garlic and oil. So simple. It's so delicious. Lots of parsley. I always put cheese on mine. I love that. Sounds good so far. It's great. So you have your hot, piping hot pasta. And then instead of cooking the, the tender greens, so I'm talking about your most tender, tenderest things. The is, that a, is that a word? Tenderest? tenderest? Yeah. It is now. Tenderest <laughs> is the heart. Um, okay. So yeah, what, um, what are we talking about here? I would say pea shoots. Lamb quarters, mm-hmm. like Andy was saying. Let's say you're not a fancy food world professional. You just want to buy. So you're saying like baby, baby arugula. Baby arugula, a, a, a young lettuce. Like just go with me here. Little, it is a little a, tender a, a, lettuce. A little tender lettuce, but it could be Boston just cut up. And you could dress that with like a tiny bit of lemon juice. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even put oil on it. You have your hot pasta you put a pile of greens on top, and then as you eat it, mm. your fork, you're tossing mm. it around. The greens are getting in there, and they're yeah. just going to warm up. Wilting. They're going to wilt, yep. and but, right. but keep a little bit yeah. of the bite. It's really, it's it's like so green. It's, and it's fresh, and, and you and don't you don't need a salad plate, and you don't <laughs> need the salad plate. Andy, the other day in the test kitchen, you were shooting a video for this gnocchi that you make, a ricotta gnocchi, which got cut from this story that you did in the magazine. <laughs> Yes, the recipe's online. But, let's uh, let's blame Alex Grossman, our creative director. We thought about it. I think yes, he, did, he didn't like the photo or something. What was it? I don't know. I guess he didn't. Sorry, Grossman. I guess he didn't like the photo. It wasn't that don't he, worry, he's not listening. Oh no, it wasn't that he didn't like that photo. It's that he liked this yellow better. It was too similar to it another was too photo. Similar. Anyway, those are the decisions you make when you're on a magazine. Um, so what I loved about this, this this gnocchi is that a lot of times when people have gnocchi at restaurants or make it at home, you do like a little potato gnocchi and the little dumplings, and then you toss them like in a tomato sauce or a, like a little, you know, pork ragu sort of sauce. You had it instead of this very light broth. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So let's talk about the, the gnocchi, how you make them, and then I want to hear about this broth. 
So these are ricotta dumplings, and I was first exposed to them on how to make them when I was at Estella, so probably about four years ago. I learned them from Ignacio, the chef there, and he learned them from the legendary Judy Rogers of Zuni Cafe. I believe they're still on the menu. They've been on the menu for over two decades. She learned it from uh, her time when she spent uh, when she was in Florence, mm. and uh, they're just made with ricotta. Uh, some grana padano, salt, uh, pepper, a little bit of flour, an egg, and an egg yolk. Barely it comes together. And then you could pipe it into kind of half-inch well, pieces. Can we, can we talk or, about, I'm just, in terms of the, the key to gnocchi so often is using enough flour so that they bind, but not too much flour so they get dense. So, barely. So how do you... What's your, what's your advice for people in terms of knowing what that right ratio is or when it feels right? Uh, well... I think you like. I think when you're in the stand mix, when you're uh, whipping it in the stand mixer, you'll see the ricotta mixture just kind of pulled away from the sides. That's when you know it's kind of ready to go, and where you mix it enough. And you're gradually adding flour, or do you dump it all the flour in at once? No, I'll dump. Uh, I'll uh, mix the the ricotta, the parmesan, the salt, pepper, and then once that's combined eggs. with the eggs, mm-hmm. then I'll add the flour. And, and do then you, and you add it gradually. Kind no, of? I'll add it all at once because you know what the ratio mm-hmm. is at this point. Yeah. Um, Anyone reading the recipe will have access to the same yes, information. Bonappetit.com. What are these? What's it, what are these gnocchis called? Ricotta dumplings. Ricotta dumplings. Yeah. Um, let's say you don't have your KitchenAid stand mixer. Can I do this it by hand? You could do it by hand. Yeah, that's pretty hardcore. But really? you could definitely do it by you're, hand. You're yeah. a strong dude. Yeah. You can handle it. Um, they didn't have the, the ladies in Florence. Yeah. I don't no, think they did not have a hand mixer. mixer. The stand mixer. <laughs> um, Okay, so you have this mixture; it's just coming together, and then how do you do? How do you form the little so footballs? So, what makes these really special is the way they're formed. I use a kind of just like a, a dinner spoon, uh, and I take a little bit of the batter, like two to three teaspoons, scrape it against the side of the bowl, and then I use my index finger, dredge in a little bit of flour, and then just kind of push the ricotta dumpling uh, off the spoon and flick it onto a. Uh, wow. Yeah, floured. Um, it's almost like sheet. I would love to see like a video of this. Oh, it's well, <laughs> in a few weeks. It's video. these amazing kind of almond-shaped dumplings that puff up uh, like twice the size when they're when they're simmering. And, How long do they have to simmer for? Uh, once they get to the, uh, rise to the surface, about three to four minutes. Oh, right. Okay, yep. so that's how much time total. I think. Total. Yeah. Oh, three. And and then when doing gnocchi like this, that that, that seem a little delicate. I imagine you don't want too much of a boil or is it more no of a- it's I, and in this recipe I wrote like a, a gentle simmer mm. you don't want a, a rapid boil by any means they um, break apart they also have like this really cute little divot in them mm-hmm. it's like when you push them off they're like imagine like going off the bottom yeah, of a, a of a water slide and they end up with a little curve like almost like a I don't know lima bean I like divot um, mm-hmm. okay so you've got these tender light dumplings yes what, and do, you, what do you do with them so I wanted to do something lighter because it's spring. I thought uh, I wanted a sauce made with chicken stock. So a very light chicken stock, you know, use homemade if you can. If not, yeah. store-bought, low sodium. And I bring that to a simmer, and then uh, I add the dumplings, uh, a little bit of green garlic, just raw. doesn't need to be Wait, so, so you So you have like a pot or a little pan of the A little pan. Stock? I do, uh-huh. yeah, I do like a, a large skillet if you're doing it for Okay, large skillet. So, yeah. so the dumplings are already cooked. Cooked. You've got... Simmering, stock, simmering. Stock. What mm-hmm. else goes in the And there? then a green garlic, uh-huh. raw. It's yep. fine. Uh, and then I'll add the dumplings, 
uh, and just that kind of it'll. You want it to be brothy. It's not going to be a, a glossy, sticky sauce. Yeah, it's yeah. it's. Uh, you want this to have a good amount of broth, and then uh, I'll add some asparagus that I've had already blanched beforehand. But sliced you could use thin. Slice slice thin. You don't have to use asparagus. You could use whatever kind of veg you like, and then uh, once that comes together, I'll finish with some butter. Yeah, and top it with more olive oil uh, and some pepper. And Parmesan. Do you mm. hit the olive oil when it's when after it's plated in after a bowl? After it's plated, it was oh, yeah. little droplets. Like, oh, I love the yeah, I love the droplets. Mm. Herbs on that? Uh, some chives. Chives, chives. yeah. Some chives. That's what you I was remembering. Chives. I, can I say one thing about pasta? It's like, you know what? Like it just it kind of drives me a little crazy when people want pasta to be healthy. It's 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 fine for pasta to be meatless, like you were describing, delicious. But I was at Italy the other day over here. And I was at the meat counter, and I was getting some lamb chops. And there was a nice young woman next to me who was making spaghetti and meatballs. Mm-hmm. And so she was getting meatball mixture, and they had this uh, – one of the many displays there was for, like, a red lentil pasta uh, made out of red lentil flour. Right. And she was like, is this better for me? Should I buy this? Like, is this better for you? Like, isn't this healthier? I'm like, well, I, yeah, but it's like you're eating spaghetti and meatballs. You're making right. pasta and meatballs – She's like, but doesn't have more protein? I'm like, the meatballs have enough protein. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is not your time to be healthy. <laughs> no. Like, you can be healthy the rest of the day, but if you're making pasta and meatballs for dinner, just get regular pasta. Like, yeah. yeah, it do doesn't it the right way. doesn't have to be healthy. And the same thing with his. Like, you have beautiful vegetables. You've got delicious dumplings. It's okay to add some butter and olive oil. Oh, absolutely. Like, this is not about counting calories at this point. Yeah, you, know? you can have some lentil soup with some little meatballs in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Knock yourself out. Yeah, but just take, <laughs> it's just if, like it doesn't have to be pasta. I'm sorry, I just kind of went on a rant tour. I was like. <laughs> what are you doing? No, just buy regular pasta. And it's and it's the same thing with this. It's like there's a there's a difference between aesthetic um, and calorie counting and f- fresh and delicious. And like you can have fresh delicious vegetables and still be a little indulgent. Oh with your, yeah, with I your firmly fats. believe. I'm like it's all all in moderation. So and I also just I know that gluten gets a bad bad name these days, and a lot of people really do have trouble with it, but. This is a beautiful food based on it's it's a wonderful food. It's flat. Yeah, my, it's like my feeling flour, is you know. my feeling is like if you I understand. Listen, if you're gluten intolerant or celiac, that, I get it. That's but if you're not, it's like it's not about eating a different alternative pasta. It's like well, just don't eat as much carbs and gluten the rest of the time. Rest but if you're time. gonna do pasta, do pasta, embrace it, indulge Enjoy in it. it. Same right. thing with good pizza. Yeah, you know that that is not the time to skimp and save. No, and I also I totally believe that it can be healthful. Those are healthful ingredients. You put a lot of other veg and herbs and a protein rich chicken stock, and like yeah. that's a great meal. It's delicious. It's not low calorie, I'm but it's delicious saying, and like, fresh. Eat a pound of it. <laughs> oh, I am. Well, we had we had this whole thing a few years ago. Christine Malky, we were doing a a thing, and and she and her now ex husband. I'm just going to bring this out of there. Uh, we're talking about pasta servings, and they're saying, oh yeah. Four ounces, three three to four ounces per person. And I'm like, that's bananas. If I'm eating pasta at home, I am having more than three ounces of pasta. I mean, I'm having more than three to four yeah. ounces, but the way we do it at Bon Appetit is we suggest three ounces. Yeah, but that's yeah. one yeah. serving. But that's, that's like serving. I'm not having – if I'm making a good pesto pasta at home, yeah. you there I'm definitely having two servings. And then when I'm doing the dishes – I'm finishing the rest out of the big but bowl. But you're also eating that as your that's your main course. That's your well, dinner. Yeah, but that's this is America. That's what we do. We exactly. don't do we don't do that's a creamy or that's a right. secondary. And so in Italy you would have that a small amount of 
pasta or a smaller yes. amount, but it wouldn't be and then the end all be all. You would then have your meat. Yeah, 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 you would have your meat or your fish after that. So it's dinner when when it's your main course. Like, yeah, I have to weigh the pasta if I'm making it for myself because I I can consume. You can't stop. I, it's a large well, amount. Can't so. stop, won't stop. But I weigh out like five ounces <laughs> just to make sure I don't have less than that. On the flip side, I am I am for. <laughs> It's interesting because, like, so I like. I guess I, I'm like, I like carbs, and oh. I. But on the flip side, I love a cheeseburger, but I don't need like a eight ounce cheeseburger. I find that excessive. No. I would much rather have like a four ounce cheeseburger smashed and get all crispy and my cheesy and my yeah. toppings and condiments, and I'm fine with that. Like I'm, I'm going less meat, more other stuff these days. Totally Is that okay. Always, yeah. always believe in that. You know, I think these. Support that, and as these well. are also in. In this is this is the uh, what is this is oh, in the April issue of Bon Appetit, uh, which is off stands now, but you can find this in on the newsstand and in the, in the bonappetit.com, yes. These recipes, um, and all these are they all meatless or is there any like crispy no, pork? A, yeah, there's some guanciale. There's some guanciale and there's chicken. Which there's one's where's the guanciale? In? There's guanciale here in the pesto. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Oh yeah, before we go, the chicken, chicken ragu. ragu. Can we talk chicken ragu? Yeah, absolutely. That that piques my curiosity. So I think it was uh, I wanted to do a lighter kind of transitional pasta dish, so something that you could make when it's still maybe a little chilly outside. Because uh, spring is like that. Because spring is like that. And, and spring chickens. Know. But yeah. I had to be convinced too. You pitched this, and I yeah, was, like, was like, "Really? Yeah, ragu? That sounds gray." <laughs> um, I wanted to start off kind of with like a classic ragu with the aromatics, but I wanted to switch it up. So rather than Onions and carrots and celery you might find in a sugo. I decided to go with kind of onions and fennel, garlic, cook that down. Uh, I use boneless, skinless chicken thighs. Uh, I cook that up, brown that up, uh, deglaze it with some wine. Uh, and then white mo- wine. White wine. Yes, yeah. that's another thing. I decided to go with the white wine rather than red wine. Uh, just again, making this whole sauce lighter. Yeah. Uh, and then remove the chicken, the brown chicken. It's not cooked through yet. It's just brown. I'll sweat the aromatics, and then I'll bring the chicken back in and start building the sauce, adding the sauce, the stock, uh, and then cooking that until the chicken's cooked through. I'll remove it, let it cool, shred, 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 still let the aromatics going. Add the chicken back in, add milk. Mm. Which is kind of a classic. You add that in to bolognese. Yeah. In bolognese. Yeah, sure. yeah. So I wanted to make it a little bit richer, and then, uh, so you have your sauce kind of ready to go, and you can make that ahead of time, two, three mm. days. You have your pasta boiling, very al dente, and then you add the pasta to the uh, sauce, bring it together. I had some peas and fennel fronds to finish. I like finishing with the fennel fronds. I think that's one of those things. Fennel fronds, are they look beautiful. They look beautiful. They're fragrant, yep. and it's also one of those things like, well, if you— so often people you take the bulb and they mm-hmm. chop it and they either mandolin it for a salad or they roast them or whatever. And then they just kind of forget about the fronds. And that's such a, such a nice finishing touch to bring it back to the basic. I love idea. that kind of feathery mouthfeel too that it has. So. And it's not dill. And it's not dill. It looks like dill, but, <laughs> but it's, it's not. Carl Ali Music, Andy Bergani, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. So fun. Bye-bye. Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Emma Wurtzman and Carrie Polis and edited by Mitra Kaboli. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Grady's with additional music by Nathaniel Wurtzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday. And if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.